All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Two more, four more games coming tonight to make it an even two and two uh, for uh, each side. And, um, you know, there's been a few surprises. There's been some some decisions that have been questioned by uh, lots of people. Fan bases will get into uh, changing your goalie, even uh, mm-hmm. though you had uh, your goalie had played great. Frank, uh, you know, we've got lots of that. But uh, I do want to get into some of the uh, the offseason stuff. And um, obviously the, the big news we haven't talked about yet is, uh, is in Calgary with uh, Brad Tree Living and, and the Flames parting ways. Um, the Flames didn't give um, their current head coach Daryl Sutter a you know a guarantee review or anything, and so what, what do you make of the Calgary situation? And I know he's got two years left on his contract. Do you think Daryl Sutter will be the head coach come September? I'm not entirely convinced that's the case, but it seems like for now he has won the power struggle, and may seem a little harsh to frame it that way, but that's the truth that. Brad Tree Living on his way out wanted to make a coaching change and wasn't permitted to do so. And therefore he walked. He said, well, um, thank you for the nine years as general manager of the Calgary Flames. It was a great experience, but I'm moving on. So if they, so- if they, if they let him walk because they were like, well, we can't make a coaching change. You're going to hire a new GM. Are you going to force the G- the new GM to keep the coach? Like, it seems odd. Yeah, well, that's – I was going to say, and I don't want to put too fine a point on it because I've – I'd really have to dig in. But I can't remember the Calgary Flames ever being a bigger mess than they are right at this current juncture. So let's, let's, let's think about the entire grand picture here. You had players last week on locker clean-out day – making fun of the Saddle Dome, or at least criti- criticizing it, the fact that they don't have a new arena formally on the way is problematic. You have your general manager that walks because your ownership has decided to 
go with the coach who has $8 million on his contract instead of the $83.5 million roster, which, by the way, sources indicate that at least a handful of players vocally and very loudly voice their displeasure in Daryl Sutter in their exit interviews with the team. So you, you have a president of hockey ops that's installed in Don Maloney, who worked in lockstep and is a close friend of Brad Tree Living, who obviously, at least reading between the lines, feels the same way as Brad Tree Living, saying in his press conference that the coaching position is still up for review, to your mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And now you didn't name a general manager and you could have promoted Craig Conroy, who understands Daryl Sutter as well as anyone on the planet, played for him, has had every facet of, of hockey ops that he's touched in his management career. He's done everything. And he's a well-respected figure in Calgary and beyond. And you want to open up your GM search potentially to the outside world where whoever gets it knows that you're inheriting a bulletproof coach more or less with a capped out roster and multiple players that either have to be signed this summer or traded that are the core key pieces of your team. So you're telling me it's a challenge, Frank. I'm telling you that it's a mess. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It, uh, it, it is a little perplexing. Um, and like I had people I've talked to in Calgary that, uh, that believe that there's so much discomfort between some of the key players and the head coach that if you bring him back, you're basically just guaranteeing you're missing the playoffs again. I would have thought at the end of last season that as close as they got, that they would have gotten in to spite him. Like we like use that as a rallying cry and they, they, they didn't, they, some of them clearly checked out. Was this like major league? You're saying you're going to have the billboard cut out. Oh man. I love the billboard cutouts. I love Lou Brown too. What a legend dancing in the hospital. Yeah. That movie's so before Tyler's time. I wonder if he's even seen it. I've seen it. Oh, it's great. Nobody. I love Lou Brown. Well, I love major league, man. Ricky Vaughn. It's still, that's really Mariano Rivera might not have been the great closer if it wasn't for Ricky Vaughn and Wild Thing. Let's be real here. That runs started like, the... Uh, started runs the like Maze, hits like Haze. Yes, that started the entrance song. No question about it. So that's so why it's an iconic film. Uh, no question in my mind. One of the greatest movies. Baseball really probably has a lot of the top best sports movies if we're getting off a complete tangent here. Like I could sit down, you could give me baseball movies to watch all weekend and it would be hard for me to pick my favorite because there's so many good. How would you rank them? Got Field of Dreams, Bull Durham, A League of Their Own. For Love of the Game with Costner is unreal. Oh, that's a good one. Every time that's on, I have a hard time turning that off. It's so good. Billy Chappell. Like, yeah. Billy Chappell's you know, the man. Oh, and of course, I got the greatest baseball voice doing the, the Billy Chappell games, which makes it even better. Oh. So, um, honestly, I don't know if I... Rookie of the Year. Once. There's, like, even good kids' movies. Be, uh, yeah. Little Big League. Oh, Sandlot. Oh. Baseball movie. Like, honestly, baseball movies kill it. And you could... I don't even know how I'd rank them, but Bull Durham is so good. Oh, my God. Yeah. Gets a little uh, long for me. Uh, Bull slow. Durham was, there's just so many funny parts about Bull Durham and uh, th- that I liked. And, you know, uh, Kevin Costner in sports movies is, um, is there a better actor for sports movies than Costner? I'm going to s- go out on a real limb here and say something that might get played in other places. I kind of have a little bit of a man crush on Kevin Costner. Watching what? Yellowstone, like that dude, that. He's awesome. Yellowstone's where you get the crush on him. He just—he's the man. I like. He's awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, he's a good-looking. He's a handsome man. There's no debating that. Yeah. And um, you know, you look at in the, in for love of the game. You know, I think that that's the one where you know it exposes his soft side, going through the transition in life, and um, and still just having one more great hurrah. Like I love that whole movie. Like, I love that whole movie, everything about it. The, and, in, every, in every movie that he's in, he also absolutely slays. Like, he's oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, even in Waterworld, I think, 
So he might have, yeah. Uh, uh, with wolves, God, he's got yeah. a lot of movies, man. We're so, uh, we're one day closer to Tyler eating cat food, which is good. Oh, did he decide when he's doing that on Orders Nation? When I get back. Oh yeah, he's LA. doing it. He's doing it in L.A. When no, I get he back. said when he gets back. Oh, when you get back. Oh my God. So what are you, are you, what are you, you're going to do it on Oilers nation in the comfort of your home? Is that the thought process? Uh, I might do it in the studio. I might do it from the comfort of my home, but I'll do it uh, on the show when we get back. Yeah. So uh, do, do, do it in studio. Your, uh, your guys will like it more. Hmm. The laughter will be great. Um, time to be all right. Okay. So that was a really good tangent, but honestly, we, we should have a whole off season one day about the greatest sports movies. And, you know, we actually, I'm going to try to get Costner on the pod. That would be unbelievable. Cause if there's one guy to talk sports movies, I can't think of anybody better. Honestly, like you just, he's been, I, we've been on a run of sports movies in my house. Last week we watched miracle. Uh, this oh, week yeah. our, our selection will be uh, remember the Titans. Oh, that's unbelievable movie. Yeah. And I like it because it's based on a true story. So, yeah. Well, somewhat. So, yeah, that's a fantastic movie, man. And very fitting because uh, here we are in 2023, and certain aspects of that movie uh, are still 100% applicable. Yeah. Which is uh, unfortunate. Now, let's get. Um, to uh, to some hockey talk, Frank. Um, hey, what happens in the when you make a decision and it doesn't go the way you want? It gets questioned significantly. What was your thoughts originally when the Minnesota Wild, coming off a double overtime game, who had rotated their goalies a lot down the stretch, decides to go with Mark Andre Fleury? Were you surprised? We're like, well, that's kind of what they've done. Well, it's exactly what they've done. Fourteen consecutive games entering the playoffs, they did rotate. And in that stretch, it was amazing because both goalies seemed to feed off of each other in the competition. Like Flurry's numbers um, actually got significantly better uh, than his actual regular season numbers, if you really go back and do the math. And Gustafson was on a roll the entire time. Obviously, you enter game one, and what did he make to close out game one? 49 consecutive saves. Mm -hmm. Like it was an impressive, impressive number. Here's the thing, though. So I, I, I went in thinking, oh, man, they're going to be second-guessed to death if they lose, let alone lose by that margin, meaning Flurry gave up that much. But my thought process is this is the way of the future. I cannot believe that we are in 2023 and teams think that it's not only normal but what you should do to play one goalie consecutively for two months. Yet if in the regular season at any point in time, you said, this is our only goalie for the next two months, you would say you are absolutely insane. Yet the games get more strenuous, more stressful. Sometimes the games are longer because of uh, infinite OT. And you want to, you think the winning formula is to play and ride one guy the entire time. It, that can't be the case anymore. It cannot. We have to start thinking about this differently. It's just that no one's been willing to step out on the ledge yet and do it. Well, if you do look at their numbers, though, down the stretch, in the last 15 games, it was eight games for Gustafson and seven for Flurry. And Flurry was 3 3 and 1. He had a 902 save percentage. Well, Gustafson was 5 1 and 2. And uh, he had a 9.31. And, you know, goals against average, he was allowing, you know, 2.45 to Flurry's 3.29. So, yes, they were splitting, but Gustafson was clearly playing better. And I, um, I, I see your reasoning, Frank, but I also think that at times, because if you look at some goalies have no problem playing 65 games. 60 games, and then they go into the regular season. There is, There seems to be a limit on maybe how much they play because they don't want to, to wear them down. But then you get to the playoffs, everybody's worn down. The players, doesn't matter who. Um, to, the only way you can do this is if your two goalies are very, very close. Otherwise, there's going to be a drop. And, and a team looks and says, man, we're in a series here. And if, if we, quote, give away a game, that's going to cost us a series. So I, I understand the theory of it. I'm not sure it's practical because very few teams have two goalies that are even or close enough that you can go back and forth and feel equally as confident. Because Gustafson's been better all year. His numbers have been better all year. And now I didn't expect. And I'm not even saying the Wild are the team that should yeah. have done it. Yeah. And, and Flurry, like they're, Minnesota 
gave up a lot of chances. And really, you, you mentioned Gustafson. Gustafson was the reason why they won the game when maybe they shouldn't. So maybe it's a wake-up call. They're like, hey, we can't just rely on our goalie to stand on our head because the third period's in overtime. Dallas was all over them. And they really just kind of continued that into to this game. And I think there was, a, there was a lot of added juice for them. Joe Pavelski's beloved in that room. Yep. And I didn't think it was a dirty hit. It was a hard hit. It's an unfortunate result, but I don't think it was a dirty hit. And I think that's what they just, they focused on. They, they, you know, Rupe Hintz played a great game. Um, you know, that goal he scored early is shorthanded was just a rocket. I don't, even if Gustafson's in, I'm not sure he makes that save. So it was, I thought is when Minnesota got it back, Frank, it's the two goals that Fleury led in then that were the issue. Wasn't the seven. I think it was the two goals when they got it close. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm not talking at all specifically about the wild. I'm just saying in general, I think the days of Andre Vasilevsky for three consecutive playoff runs playing every single minute of every single Tampa Bay Lightning game is it's just not feasible. I just don't I don't I think he's the exception and not the rule. And I think moving forward, you're gonna have to see some kind of rotation. Like Linus, like so I'm gonna be fascinated to see what the Bruins do with Olmark and Swayman. So game two, they allow their most ever, their most goals against since the 2013 Cup Final in a playoff game. The Cats double them up 6-3. Olmark and Swayman didn't split the season, but Olmark was still under 50 games. And what does that mean for, for moving forward? Like Swayman was still really good this year. Does he play game three? Does he play game four? Does he not play at all? Do you just ride Olmark? Is that the reason for why you kept Olmark fresh? Is that you're planning to go with just one guy in the playoffs? My point is, it this is a really bad day to make the argument, given how Flurry played in game two. But I think it's an argument worth having. That, it'll be interesting. You're right. I think a team that, you know, Boston's probably the team that, that could do it and people wouldn't necessarily bat an eye at all. Um, you know, and although I will give Florida credit, man, Florida played quite well. They they made their chances count uh, in game two. Uh, they did score five on the uh, on the Bruins in the regular season. The Bruins only allowed six goals twice. And funny enough, it came to like Chicago um, of all teams, I think, and Ottawa, right? Like two non-playoff teams beat them, uh, gave up six and seven goals respectively. So it's not a this is not the norm for the I Bruins. Matthew Kachuk too. Oh. After the game, I'm not sure if you saw his post-game interview. And by the way, there was some, like, it got silly toward the end. Like, literally every whistle was a scrum. Oh, it was just a chirp fest. At some point, drop the mitts. Well, I love what the NHL did at the end. The final three seconds, they just rolled off the clock. They didn't even line up for a face-off. They just said, all right, boys, go to the room. It was like it was like a beer league game. Um, <laughs> and I just love that that happened. But I love Kachuk's post-game interview with Emily Kaplan. You said, like, did you think we were going to roll over just because they're the best regular season team in history? Like, I, I think that just gets everyone's juices flowing. Like let's, let's make, let's make this an upset. And you know what, on top of that, I think, so the Bruins, like the Panthers go back to Florida, having accomplished what they set out to do, which is get the split. But I think on top of that, they actually played really rather well in both games Go back to their first period against the Bruins in game one. I think they dominated the Bruins. They were just lucky that Omar made all 18 saves to start the game. Yeah. So I, I think the Cats come away looking really good in the first two games of the series. I'm not saying they're going to win it. Does Bergeron being out at all change your perspective on the series? Well, 100%. And as I mentioned yesterday, Frank, like, I'm hearing there's a good chance he might not play. Like Now, depending on the deeper it goes, then you know he might gut it out. But he's got an injury. There's no question about that. So, um, you know, any time in the playoffs you lose one of your key players. And now they're, they're lucky because they've got so much depth that, you know, you, Pavel Zaka is not like, oh, my gosh, we're, we're promoting someone who can't handle it, right? Like Bertuzzi they got at the deadline, and that was a little bit for um, – uh, you know, benefits of injuries, but now, you know, once they get Felino back, like that team is really healthy, even without Bergeron. So I think it impacts it a bit because he's just so good 
you know, defensively. He can chip in offensively, but he's just he. If you need a shift to kind of calm things down or shut down the opposition, you put Bergeron on. It doesn't guarantee it, but man, it gives you a really good chance to to usually stop the momentum from the opposition. And I think that's where they miss him. Yeah, and speaking of injuries, like. I know the New York Islanders are down to nothing, but taking another player out of the Carolina Hurricanes lineup. So first Pacioretty, then Svechnikov, now Tavo Teravainen, who Rod Brindamore announced on Wednesday night after game two, suffered a broken hand and will require surgery on Thursday. Man, the team that struggles to score has lost another scorer. And you now have an Islanders team that doesn't back down and plays well defensively, even though they're down to nothing. Are they, a, are they a live dog? Well, keep in mind, uh, this, this is identical start to the series last year, right? Carolina wins two at home and everyone's like, Oh, they're great. And then they lose two on the road, right? Uh, that was a Homer series until game seven. They couldn't finish it out. So the second you know, round yeah. was a Homer series too. They did. Yeah. They did not. I don't think they won a road game last year. Yeah, so the the Islanders, I, I believe, are the team that um, you know they don't want to give up four goals, um, and I know they're going to be annoyed at the non call on Mayfield in overtime right before the goal. Um, I saw Mike Ruppa explain it. He says um, the positioning of the referees you might not call that. Um, the stick is caught on the side, and then he lifts the stick, and it comes up into his face. I, I saw him and Mike Johnson, two former players, you know, both uh, you know debating it. A healthy debate, by the way, between those two guys. But which side did you come out on, Frank? Because Rupper, when I saw his, I was like, hmm, you know what? It's got some interesting points. And then Johnson comes back and says, no, no, no. You know what? Come on. That's a high stick to the face. But if you go to lift the guy's stick, right, and you're lifting the opposition stick, and then its stick hits you in the face, is that a penalty in your eyes? Uh, it is a penalty. Anytime the stick hits you in the face, Um self, you know, inflicted, whatever you may call it. I think it's a missed call. Um, do I think it would have changed the game? Like, does the goal not go in because that happens? I don't think so. Fair? Um, well, the, if, if there's a penalty, then the play yeah, stops. Yeah, of course, it, the, yeah, it stops. Yeah, but. so it's not going to go in. So I would say that, yeah, it, uh, it definitely impacted it. Um I want to get it. I'm waiting for, you know, an, an official to chime in on it. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I'll say this. I don't, the one argument I don't like is, well, it's an overtime. You can't call it. No, yes, you can. A penalty should be a penalty at any point. Um, if, if you haven't called borderline penalties all game, then don't start an overtime. I have no problem with that. The standard's being set. Whatever the standard is being for the first 60 minutes, just keep that. If it's being a night where the refs are like, we're letting everything go that's not flagrant, and then you know what? Then fine. But if, if you've called everything by the book, which doesn't always happen, nor should I think should it, right? You, you don't need every ticket tack call called, in my opinion. But as long as you don't change how you've called the first 60, I have no issue with it. Now, I didn't watch all of the first 60, to, so I don't know that, to, to be honest. But a stick to the face is a stick to the face. Um, I, I can see how the Islander fans believe it's a missed call. No question. Um, a lot of it comes down to, and I used to do a refing show with Kerry Fraser. And he explains so much of it is about positioning. And so mm -hmm. missed calls will be, where is the ref? And so I would have liked to see a different angle to see, okay, where is the official on it? And, you know, do you, do you see it? Is it your stick? Was it, you know, was it lifted clearly by, um, you know, Mayfield? If he's lifting the guy's stick and he lifts the guy's stick up in his own face, that isn't a penalty in my eyes. So I would have loved to have um, heard. And th there are times where... I believe the NHL, you talked about one thing they need to improve on is it, or change their thinking when it comes to um, goaltending. I do think the NHL would benefit in following in the NBA's footsteps. Right? In what way? Where, where they have after games where there's Just, questions. Yeah, have a, like, let's talk about it. No yes. one pretends that these officials are perfect. Yes. But the NHL has a hard time admitting that they make mistakes. Yeah, they actually can, don't do it. No, and there's guess what? If the ref makes a mistake, I, I think here's two things. We all that. understand it. Just give us your point of view and your reasoning. Yeah, and sometimes you can say, guess what? It was incorrect call. 
Okay, full stop, nothing changes because people get so upset, I think, A, because they never hear that. And because I tell them, I said, guess what? Your favorite player on your team makes a mistake. It happens. It doesn't mean he's terrible. It doesn't mean he should never ref again, right? It, it's like the uh, the online uh, controversy regarding the Toronto Maple Leafs loss in game one and Wes McCauley's, you know, alleged you know, brother-in-law connection and all this stuff. I'm like, give me a break. The Leafs were 5 on one in the regular season. Did you yeah, watch people it? just spout stuff like yeah. tin hat. I was just going to ask you in general like we're four days in i feel like there's been more belly aching and complaining about the officiating than ever before and i don't think first off it's any different and in some ways i would say it might actually be better yeah no i, I haven't had much of an issue with the officiating i'll say this the fact I that we've had two five minute reviews and they've gotten them both right like those were pivotal game-changing moments like what more do people want yeah. Well, you know what it is, Frank, there's such a small percentage of people that are on social media. And I find the ones who love to complain and bitch and moan seem to be the ones that are most prominent. Um, you know, and I don't mind if fans want to go off the, the deep end, they probably always thought that the only difference was it used to be debated in a bar and the 20 people sitting around the table would debate it and no one else. And now somebody puts it out there and someone else across the city's like, yeah, I agree. And then it just goes quote viral, but it's really only a small, small percentage of people. I think the official has been fine. Guess what? Not every call is going to be made and people have to understand, especially in the playoffs. And, and I understand why you're a diehard fan. You're going to have a bias. And I'll say this, you should have a bias. That's why you cheer for your team. You want to be a little irrational come playoff time because you desperately want your team to win. So you're going to see every call. And if it doesn't go your team's way, you're going to be pissed. That's okay. But at least admit that and understand it and be like, yeah, okay, guess what? I'm fired up. I'm probably not seeing straight. I'm being a little irrational and that's okay. Just like if the refs miss a call and they say, you know what? Missed a call. That's the incorrect call. You'd be like, all right, well then you could have the that conversation saying, actually does happen on the ice. You talk yes. to officials, they they skate over to the bench and say, man, I blew that one. I'm sorry. Yeah. What and, else do? and like what happens is you see the next one that makes up for it. And people say, oh, the makeup call doesn't exist. Of course it does. They're looking the re- for a way to balance out the ice surface. That's it. Yeah. And why do some goals happen? Because a player is out of position. Right. Or they make a wrong decision. It's no different than the officials. Stop thinking the officials need to be perfect. It's moronic. You don't think your players are perfect because they're not perfect. Stop thinking in the fastest game in the world. No one's out to screw you. are going to get all the calls right. No one's out to screw you. That's it. Yeah, 100%. These these guys do not care who wins and who loses, just like me. No, and and, and you know what they care about is they they really care when they make a missed call because they don't want to. They don't want to have the call that changes the game. That's that's a fact. I've talked to to so many about it. Kerry Fraser talks about the 1993 missed call, and he says, you know what? That's the thing. You can rec- you can remember all your good games, but you remember that one more. He hates it, and so you can't change it, right? Yeah. He's he's talked about it many times and said, yeah, I missed the call, and people are still, oh yeah, Kerry Fraser's terrible. He's not terrible. He had one blatant missed call in a career that lasted decades. That doesn't mean you're terrible. Yeah, I agree. I'm just tired of the conversation. Like. Yeah. I'm with I'm tired of the complaint, like oiler fans throwing beer on the ice. Oh, that was embarrassing. Absolutely. Leaf fans, apoplectic. Like, come on. Yeah. Just stop it. Yeah, grow up is my opinion. Like you can be mad, but don't be. You can idiot. voice your opinion. You paid for the ticket. I, all, whatever yeah, but your you ticket says do. clearly on the ticket, you can't throw shit on the ice. So don't do it. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Now, speaking of the Leafs, um, Bunting, what it, I'll be honest. I thought three games was, was, well, it was harsher than I was expecting. Like, it was, there's no question it was suspension worthy. It's, it was a dumb play by Bunting. Like, we've yep. pretty much eliminated the chicken wing to the face. That doesn't happen very often, right? So let's start there. It was clearly a suspension. I, I thought, I said, you know what? He'll, I thought he might get one. If he got two, I'd be like, yeah, whatever, he gets two. Three surprised me. I didn't expect three. What did you think? I don't know that there was even precedent for it. Like, I have no, I'm with you. There's no doubt in my mind it was stupid. Like, you can't hit a player like that in the face that's unsuspecting with the puck not even near you. It's interference and it's a hit to the head. It's all those things. But that said, I I thought it would be two games. And we all agree. And in fact, the NHL has acknowledged this publicly in in the appeals process that one playoff game equals two regular season games. 
the fact that this was essentially a six-game regular season suspension, I thought was a little over the top. Um, again, knew he was getting suspended, thought it'd be two, thought there was an outside chance it would be one. But I do think there's, speaking of the Leafs, like something to be said for composure when it comes to, we just talked about officiating, right? Like how many times do you look at Sheldon Keefe on the bench and you think that his head's going to explode? Just like even while Michael Bunting was getting escorted off the ice, he's freaking out. He's like, he doesn't think it's a penalty, let alone it was a match. It essentially ended up being three and a half games because he got the match penalty and was, was tossed. And I thought there was a really interesting moment in that game. As we all talk about the Leafs, they look scared. Keefe acknowledged that their, their goalie, Ilya Samsonov, fumbled the puck. And so they, you know how they always show the benches during like pivotal times? And Keefe is like, he's exasperated. He doesn't know what to do. And they showed John Cooper on the other bench. And he, you could tell he was about ready to lose it as well. And at one point, he actually... He bit his hand and didn't do anything. And I was like, I, I'm a firm believer that your team as, as a coach takes on your temperament and your attitude. And if you're freaking out, then your players are freaking out. And if you're calm, most of the time your players will be calm. That I think there's, a, there's something to setting that tone that I was like, that is a Stanley Cup winning coach. And that's a coach on the other end who's like, man, if we lose game one, all hell's breaking loose in the city. Yeah. Um, now, the, the thing is, last year in the series, it was almost role reversal. Yeah. Toronto spanked Tampa Bay 5 nothing in game one, and Tampa came back. Now, here's the big thing. Cernak's out. Essimon's out. And by the way, that McCabe hit, I have no way. That is a clean hit. People were screaming, that should be a suspension. I'm sorry. Hit him right in the chest. That's just a hard hit. It was, but, it was a penalty, though. Yeah, not a suspension. Sure. It, no, it not was a, a missed. It was a missed call. It should have been a penalty. Interference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um, I look at the the headman situation where he hasn't been. We don't know yet if he's playing at the time we're recording this. I think he's um, going to play. By the way, I think he is. Yeah. Uh, Cernak, though. Now, here's the thing about headman. If he's playing injured, which we saw in 2019, that severely impacts that team. And the yeah. 2019 team arguably might have been deeper on the blue line than this group. But Cernak coming out, that is a huge loss. I think he's their third best defenseman, and that's a big blow. And Toronto, they need, they need to relax. Lots of teams lose. Well, not lots. Still, like 31.7% of teams lose game one and come back and win the series. It's higher, actually, when, it's, when you're on home ice. So they, they're still, they can't play worse, I think, than how they played in game one. And you know what? If you're going to lay an egg, it's probably better to do it then than do it in game five or six where all of a sudden, you know, you got less of a runway. You still got lots of time. Yeah. You win tonight. The series is even. You go to Tampa Bay. You get a split. You're coming back. It's a best of three, and you're okay. Um, but I think – I just didn't like the vibes. No, no. I, I, I didn't like the look from Toronto, and you can fix it. I guess you can find a way to come back and be more confident. But – if that's how you started for a team that has demons, I just think it's only going to get worse. I don't think it gets better as the pressure ratchets up in the series. Yeah, potentially. I, I think they might. Now, it all you talked about leadership, and I agree with you. This is where leadership's going to come in, and you need someone. You know, this is where I think Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, this remember is why he's here. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl talked about the importance of Duncan Keith last year in their team. He didn't say a lot. It was what he said when he said it to say, guys, playoffs are like a roller coaster, man. You're up, you're at the top of the world. This is unreal. And then all of a sudden you drop to the bottom. You're freaking out if you, you know, and you get there and now you're in the tank. Oh my God, we lost. We got blown out. We lost in overtime. I made a bad play, blah, blah, whatever it is. And you have to find a way to immediately erase it. And the next day you get up and it's like, okay, what's our focus? What's our game plan? That's what I'm going to worry about. Now it's not easy, but that's what you have to do. And I think this is where Ryan O'Reilly, I'll guarantee you he's vocal. He's always been vocal, but I think this, if Toronto comes back and plays a composed game, I'll, I'll be stunned if you don't hear somebody post game talking about Ryan O'Reilly said this, Ryan O'Reilly told us that. And that's why you bring in those players. 100%. That's why he's here. That's why they went out on a limb to change 30% of this core out is because they wanted to do it a little bit differently. Yeah. 
Luke Shen, same thing. That guy's, you know, went to Stanley Cup Finals. He spoke about it on Thursday morning after the morning skate. If you spend all your time thinking about what happened in the past, it's a pretty good recipe for success to not be successful in the future. Yeah. What did you make of uh, the now in game one, the road teams were six and two in the, in the, in the second half of it, uh, you know, Florida one, but uh, the other uh, home teams, what, you know, so they went three and one. So now you get it to uh, seven and five for road teams through 12 games. It's kind of even out, but it was interesting game one. There was, you know, there was lots of home teams who just didn't play the way they wanted. Yeah. You know? I was going to ask you with these games on Thursday night, there's going to be one team that now goes on the road at least, I think, down to nothing. Which one is it? Um, who man, Winnipeg looked really good. Um, if, if I just I'm wonder, ben, will the Devils get off the mat? Yeah. They had well, a see, really I'm, shaky 10 minutes, and yeah. I know their road trip isn't far to go across the Hudson. And they're really good on the road. Yeah, but going down to nothing to the Rangers is a recipe for disaster. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, you don't. Uh, you definitely don't want that if you're them. Um, yeah, they. I, I guess if I had to pick one, I would pick them to be down. Oh, uh, to be down. Oh, two. Um, Colorado, I think, is going to bounce back. Um, you know, Winnipeg won't surprise me if they're up to nothing because, you know, their team's kind of built for the playoffs. Hellebuck, you know, they're big and fast. If Adam Lowry, what a dominant game he had in game one, by the way. Oh, my goodness. He was a force yeah. uh, for the 17 Jets. shots on goal for Vegas in game one. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't generate much at all. Like Jack Eichel, you talked about him earlier, Frank, that the, you need this guy to show up and um, – you got to play way better than that in the postseason when you're the highest paid forward on your team. I just think he's the league's most disappointing $10 million player. I'm sorry. Oh, it's hard to argue. I don't, there's not many of them. So, yeah. It could be Jacob. It could be uh, Jonathan Huberto next year, but he wasn't that this year. He was half that. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. And he's technically, yeah, but he's under, but you're right. He's, cl- he's close enough. We could say 9 million and then put him in the conversation. Um, and then there's guys, you know what? There are certain players, Frank, that are really good. Like Leon Dreisaitl, uh, the third quickest player in NHL history to 60 playoff points. He's already at 65 now. Only Lemieux and Gretzky are better than him. And, you know, this guy played injured last year. We saw it. He was a two-point-a-game player. Uh, any people who still think that Dreisaitl needs McDavid, they need, they need a big eye-opener. He's, he's outscored McDavid going back to when they yep. first came to the playoffs in 2017. He's, uh, he is an absolute bull uh, Matthias Ekholm was raving about him. He goes, I played against him lots. We saw how good he was, but man, come playoff time. He's just, he's so big and so strong. He's a goal scorer. He's a passer. You know, he's doing it all. I like what Ekholm said. He goes, you know what? Dry Settle took a penalty, which he did. Got let his emotions get the best of him. All he does is come back out, score a big goal, make a nice play. And then you rebound from it. And, you know, Leon dry Settle through two games has been the best player in the Edmonton series by a mile on either team. My question is, do the Oilers need McDavid? Well, the good news for Edmonton is they've absolutely dominated LA five on five. It's not even close. If you I, look at I, shot I've watched, I mean, the eye test, you can see yeah. that too. My, my point is. Do they need are, his offense? Well, of course, I think they do. But how, they, are they, have the Kings figured out the special sauce or secret sauce to, to shut down McDavid? And, and I ask, not just because of what Philip Deneau has done on the ice, but also because they employ a coach that basically knows Connor McDavid as well as anyone possibly could. Like, is that a significant edge for LA that when you look at the numbers and I know you've done the same work, um, the Kings have had McDavid's number this year. Well, when in a way that no other team has, like he's a guy that had 10, four point games this season or more. And he's got four points total in six total games against the Kings this season. Yeah. So you, I, the, the key to LA is because if you look when McDavid's on the ice through two games at five on five, he's, they've outshot the Kings 25, 13, right? Um, but they don't have a goal. And in fact, they've given up two. So yeah, LA is winning that battle right now. I think the key is what LA's done very well, Frank is out. Now he did draw two penalties going to the middle is they're, they're forcing him to the outside, and they've done a really good job of letting him go to the outside. And so if McDavid's going to go to the outside, then your teammates damn well better be the guys, you know, Hyman, Nugent, Hopkins, your line mates, in the middle. And uh, Jay Woodcroft switched lines. He put Kane with McDavid. And I, and I think because 
they, they want, you know, someone else to go to the middle a little bit with him. Dry Settle is the guy who does it himself. They play different styles, but LA with Deneau, who's a very good defensive player, and that line, and Dowdy's played the most minutes against them. They've done a good job of keeping him to the outside, but the issue is he still had the puck lots, and they've Corpus Allo's made a few key saves, and McDavid yeah. could easily have two points. So I, I think if you just look at the points, you'll say yes, that they've uh, they've done a good job of limiting him, but they haven't contained him at all. It's not like he's been on his heels, and I think the concern for L.A. is that despite doing that, they're only up – are they only even in the series yeah. based on getting a late penalty that, you know, an undisciplined penalty by Edmonton. Otherwise they'd be down Oh two. And I think LA I'm curious, I don't know if they can change, but they've got to find a way if McDavid's off the ice to generate more offense, they got to do it, generate more chances and offense five on five. Todd McClellan even said it after game one, he goes, if we play the same way in game one, all series, we're not going to win. And guess what? He was bang on because they didn't play much better in game two and they lost. Yeah, I guess my, and the scary point is for the rest of the league is if the Oilers can get through this without McDavid going off, what does that mean for everyone else that has a much harder time containing him? That doesn't have a Philip to know that doesn't have a Drew Doughty. That's going to hang on McDavid. Um, yeah. I got an unsolicited message today from an NHL coach. The subject says mitigating McJesus. And it says the Kings do not chase outside the dots. They seem to be content with letting him circle the wagons outside. Very similar to what the Colorado avalanche did against him in the Western conference final last year. End of note. Yeah. So I mean, but he's still, McDavid still had over like two points a game against the abs, but that was high scoring game. But they were, they were swept. Yeah, they were swept, but it wasn't because of McDavid's lack of offense, right? It was their Edmonton gave up too much, right? That was their big one. They were Yeah, and I'm not crit- like I'm again, I'm not being critical at all of McDavid. I'm just asking the question, have the Kings at least for now solved what is the biggest issue? Yeah, they have, but I, I did notice in the third period on three separate rushes, McDavid's taking the puck to the middle now. And he's so quick. We saw him draw penalties going to the middle in game one. He'll figure it out. And, yeah, I was going to say the Oilers will figure yeah. it out. Yeah, and, and Edmonton's dominated play in the, for long stretches of that game. So I'm curious if L.A. getting home ice advantage uh, will change it. Um, now, Seattle's the one game to me tonight, Frank. I give the Kraken. I, did, I didn't give him much chance. They, like Grubauer, that might have been his best game of the year. It was his and, best game and, of the year. Did you D, see the salty McKinnon answer? Yeah, I love it. That's playoffs, man. There's no friends. What in the did playoffs. you see? What it. did you see from Grubauer in Game One? Quote: Nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, what exactly? What are you going to say? I loved it. Um, but Seattle's like their depth is why they got to the playoffs. They don't have any other than McCann had 40 goals. It was great, but they weren't reliant on one or two guys, right? Like they got a lot of veterans who are who are like second and third line players on a lot of teams for many years. And they were able to roll consistently. Um, Colorado, you know, I still expect McKinnon or Ranton to go off and Kale McCarr. But I thought for that game, Seattle, like, I'm sure they can't play better. And I, I, if there's one place I'd like to be, Frank, it would be in Seattle, Seattle for game three. On as Saturday. they know, boom, no matter what, they're coming home tied 1-1. Yes. And their fans, you know, it's your first playoff game. You know the building's going to be bananas. That's be the great. building that I would like to be in this weekend. Agreed. They're all going to be loud. Don't get me wrong. But that one's going to be a little bit extra juicy. Agreed. And a little bit of a wake-up call for the Avs. Like, I don't think they're in trouble by any stretch of the imagination. No. But remember, this is a team that has – they swept the first round each of their last two playoff runs, had won a bunch of series in a row, and were dominant down the stretch, 31-4, and four, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, 31, hey. 31, 7, and 1, and I think was the number. Yeah, it's, the Avs are good. There's no they question. Were great. But they're not um, as deep. Some awesome uh, news uh, just this morning. Victor Hedman on the ice for the Tampa Bay Lightning morning skate. So pretty good indication he'll play in game two. All right. Now let's uh, bring in Tyler Uramchuk. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yes, back with another edition of Buy or Sell. And we're going to call this like uh, the revisionist history. I'm going to give you guys a chance to like walk back maybe some things we talked about in our playoff previews. Uh, number one on your list of Buy or Sell. We got five Game 7s in the first round last year. I'm going to say... We get five game sevens exactly again in this year's first round. Uh, so you can take a second to look over the series and think about it. But Frank, do you see five game sevens on this bracket? I do not. You're selling. I'm selling. I think the Bruins figure it out and win in five or six. The Hurricanes are already up to nothing. I could see the Wild and Stars going to seven. I think the Oilers are in fine shape now. Uh, I could maybe see the Lightning and Leafs going there. Not so sure on the Rangers or Devils. Definitely not the Kraken and Avs. I don't know about the Jets and goal. I see maximum three. Okay. Jay, buying or selling on five game sevens? Yeah, I'm selling. I don't. Um, I hope I'm wrong because I absolutely love Game Seven, man. It's it's the greatest. I don't care what's baseball, basketball, hockey. You get into Game Sevens, it's unreal. But, um. Five is a lot. And so, although I think the record was six in one year, but um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to sell. Three is actually a really good number by Frank, but I might actually go with two. I I think you're going to see some, some, some teams here separate. All right. uh, We have the Canes up two nothing. And then obviously a handful of teams up one, nothing that are all in action tonight. Last year, we got one sweep in the first round. You buying or selling on anyone sweeping their first round, Jay. Oh, I'll sell all day long. I don't see a sweep. The Islanders aren't getting swept. Obviously, there's the other three series are already even. Um, Toronto's not getting swept. Uh, I don't. I don't believe the Devils are going to get swept. Um, so no, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't see a sweep potential. Uh, and like Vegas, I, I guess there's always potential, but I'd be stunned. So yeah, I'm going to say no to sweep. All right, Frank. I want to say it. no. I, yeah, honestly, though, my only concern in saying no is if the Leafs lose game two on home ice tonight, I do think there's a chance they get swept, that the wheels just totally fall off. Ooh. God, Frank is just trolling the Leaf fans. Like, I am I not. I'm, 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 you tell me which team looked more scared in game one. Tell oh, me. They had a brutal game one, but they, they're not going to get swept. Like I can't see it. God, watch them get swept now, but I'm going to say it's the best clip ever. Demons in their heads, under their beds, in their cars. Demons are everywhere. Two years ago. It's two whole calendar years ago. That was one of their own coaches. (laughs) Not shockingly, got fired after that. Uh, third one I got for you guys, the most surprising results, I think. You know, Florida's stolen a game, and now the Kraken have stolen a game as well. If you could buy on one of those teams bringing the series the deepest, which one do you think is capable of uh, of bringing it the deepest, Frank? The Panthers. I thought they looked really good in the first period of Game 1. I thought Matthew Kachuk's mindset was perfect after Game 2. They're physical. They care. I just have reservations about their goaltending. Yeah, Florida, I've said all along, Florida was the big, like they finally got in, but for most of the regular season, they were the biggest underachiever. 
and um, it took him some time to get rolling. And I actually thought their goaltending was solid last game. Obviously, it's it's not super consistent, so I understand that. But I picked Boston in six at the start because I thought Florida had the potential to win two. And it wouldn't stun me the way they played in the first two games that they pushed this all the way to seven. I, I'm still going to stick with the Bruins. But, yeah, I, I would go Florida all day long. I, I think that, you know, they got some real top-end skill players. And when you have those guys, and, you know, obviously you factor in the Bergeron injury, I think that's big. Interesting. Uh, I want to pick your brain about this. They were wondering about it on the broadcast last night on the Panthers and Bruins game. But what do you think they do this offseason with their goaltending, Frank? I mean, Alex Lyon is a UFA. Like, this just popped in my head. Do you think there's a chance they would, like, buy out Bobrovsky to keep Lyon and Knight? No, and I think there's real question marks about Knight and his ability to walk back into that locker room after basically leaving and that's not a knock on him like he's dealing with what i believe is a mental health issue and so i think we should all be really sympathetic to that um but they've they're in a tough spot like bobrovsky clearly isn't the answer the buyout is horrendous even though they're saving five million dollars in real cash they still have a 6.67 million dollar cap hit for the next couple years three years yeah I'd prefer that over another year of Bobrovsky at 10. I just don't know if Vinny Viola, their owner, will go for it, even though this wasn't Bill Zito's signing. And I don't see any viable trade path to move him. So they got to figure out their D and their goaltending, quite frankly. Like, they have some cap wiggle room because – uh, Patrick Hornquist comes off. That's 5.3. And they had 6.5 in buyouts this year that come off. So 6.5 plus 5.3 is, you know, 11 million bucks and change to remake your team plus whatever the cap rises. But you got to go out and get a D man and you don't have any pick capital. Yeah. I, I look at the Panthers. I could see a situation where they, they, they sign Lyon and they trade Knight. And I, I think there's a lot, he's a young goalie. Um, deep now, depending on where they he's should at. have traded Knight then when his value was highest last year. Yeah. yeah fair. But um, I, I think they were hoping they, they could move Bobrovsky and who knows, may, maybe a team will like, what if you retain 50% on Bobrovsky at 5 million? Is he tradable? Right. That's that's another thing you could explore. Like teams are searching for goaltending all the time. Right. So from year to year, the GM told me like there's like seven guys. The other GMs are like, geez, I really hope we get good goaltending this year. Like look at Jacob Markstrom. Right. His prime example up and down. So would a team take like if Bobrovsky was a five million dollar goalie. I think people would look at that and say, I have no problem with him at five million. Yeah. I think yeah, maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong on that, but at five million, I look at Bobrovsky's numbers this year. Like they're that's that's pretty um they're barely usable. Yeah. He's just inconsistent. Yeah. Like he's brutal yes. for ten games and he's great for ten games. Yes. Like, what's he did nine oh one this year. Like who's taking that at five million bucks? Yeah, but if you look at that nine oh one, Tyler's bang on. He had a stretch of games where he was so awful that it kind of screws his whole season of a, a say percentage. He is, he, he's too much like an elevator. He's too up and down. That's fair. But how many goalies can you put in that description? Lots, right? So it's probably unlikely. Some most fickle position Knight, in pro sports. And Spencer Knight, if, if, if teams interview Spencer Knight, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong. If, if he has a mental health uh, uh, challenge and he's working through it, great. And lots of guys, lots of people in life come out the other side and they feel way better and they're in a better spot. And then, you know, maybe getting back to what he loves, which is hockey, will help him. Then I think you would see a lot of teams. He's a really young goalie. And and I think there'd be But then that's the you just made the argument to keep him. Why would you trade him now when his value's at the lowest it's been? Well, because he's tradable as my like if you gotta move one of them, then that's probably rather than have fifteen million in because I don't think Lion's gonna get you a four point five million dollar contract. Yeah, Lion I think you could probably get for what, a couple of years and one and some one point something, right? Like he's only had a good uh, couple probably of get, well, But is he even there. a full time NHL goalie? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, fair. The most yeah. games he's ever played in any NHL season prior to this one was eleven. Well, goalies, for the most part, Frank, are late developers, right? Um, lots of guys, 26 yeah, years Yeah, but he's age. 30. He's Yeah, that's fair. Uh, he's And I love the Phoenix Copley story this year. Like, I gave him a third-place vote for my Masterton Trophy. Like, I just 
it's been great in LA. Like, are these long-term solutions? Like, I, I do not think so. And I think if the Panthers are heading into next year, hanging their playoff hopes on Alex Lyon is a mistake. Fair. That's, well, I'm not going to argue. Trust me. That's, I wouldn't be, I, I'm sure if you ask Bill Zito on a true serum, that's not his first choice by any stretch of the imagination. Like they'll know the best and maybe they just say, guess what guys, we already have Spencer Knight on contract. We'll just stick with 14 million in goal and we'll roll from there. It's not ideal. Why did they rush to sign Knight? I guess is my big question. Yeah. The the wild had had basically 14 million dead space and are a playoff team. So if you have 14 million goaltenders who are playing, it could be worse. I just think the Panthers overextended themselves this year, signing Knight preemptively when they didn't need to. It was an unforced error. He played 21 games this year at middling success. Obviously, he was dealing with something else, but he signed the contract on September 27th. He had one more full year at 925, and he basically got... He got the Carter Hart. He got better than what Carter Hart got after another full season. Mm-hmm. Why? Like there was really no reason to. That's fair. Yeah. All right. That is a wrap on this week's edition of a Buy or Sell. Well, I can't wait, man. I love the playoffs every night. There's so many different storylines. What's going to happen? You mentioned Hedman's on the ice, so he'll be playing. It would seem. <laughs> Game two. Uh, when we get back on Monday, uh, there'll be three games in, in the series and, and four in some. And, uh, you know, some teams could be down three to one, three nothing, two two will be a few series. I can't wait. And I'm, uh, you know, the, the I'm very intrigued by Carolina. Like, you, you have that many injuries. Eventually, you wonder if it catches up with you, but they still beat Sorokin four they're, times, Frank. And they're still good. Oh, I love yeah. the bank shot, too, from, uh, Slavin right off the old dome. Are you kidding me? And Lots for below guys. the goal line, what is Jacob Slavin doing below the goal line with the puck? Hey, you see a lot of D-men doing that now. Yeah, I love I it, man. It's desperate times, desperate measures. D-men don't just stand on the blue line anymore in 2023. It's funny for kids, like it used to be, oh, we put the guy who can't pass on the blue line. No, no, you got to be able to be a great skater. You got to be heads up. You got to shoot the puck. You got to do a lot now and defend. It's um, it's a very skilled position, maybe yeah. more than it's ever has been. And and I love it. You, you see D-men down on the corner all the time. There was one play in the Edmondson game where you had Ekholm in the corner battling and Bouchard was the support guy behind the net. <laughs> it was hilarious. So, mm-hmm. It happens sometimes. Uh, Frank, I'm uh, looking forward to it. Have a good one. And uh, we will chat with you on Monday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? 
but there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first, and you're gonna wanna be careful, because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you gotta predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.